Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's time to play! Full-time fantasy. Full-time fantasy. All right, it's Dr. Roto. Get out the insurance card. Get out the copay. The office is open, and we are full-time fantasy. And I'm with Adam Ronas. What's up, Ronas? Welcome back. What's going on, Doc? How's your trip to Aruba? I didn't go to Aruba. I kind of wish I did. <laughs> it probably wasn't nearly as exciting as going to Aruba or something like that. But uh, let's take a look at some news out here. So um, Raciel Iglesias comes out and says something that very few players ever say the truth. He tells Bobby Nightingale, by the way, a very cool name. Would you like your last name to be Nightingale? Adam Nightingale? No, okay. no, not feeling it. All right. Raciel Iglesias tells Bobby Nightingale of the Cincinnati Inquirer that the Reds are using him horribly wrong. I would actually agree with that. But players rarely ever say the truth like that. But why can't the Reds figure out how to use this guy? He's only been one of the top pitchers in the National League for years now. I mean, they kind of wanted to use him in a multi-inning role. Kind of similar, I guess, to what the Brewers are doing with Josh Hader. So... You know, players sometimes like to know exactly what their role is going to be. So it seems like that he says, what does he want to do? Just be used as a closer then for the one inning? I mean, sometimes that's not the way to do it. So I don't know what uh, he, he wants to be done. Don't you think, though, that players like to know that role? The Mariano Rivera, you're coming in the ninth inning, that's it. Now, I know Rivera didn't do that in the beginning of his career, but toward the last, you know, seven, eight years he did. That was He was a one-inning guy. Yeah, but I think we're... The game has changed now where, like, there was a game last week where I was surprised. They brought in Hector Neris in the sixth inning. Uh, I think it was a one nothing game. It was first and second and two out. They brought him in. He threw one pitch, got out of it, and they took him out the game. So, you know, the manager probably said, look, this might be the biggest spot of the game here. We don't want to give up runs. We're going to use our best guy in this spot. Now, it sucks for fantasy. I have Hector Neris. I was pissed off about it. But then Neris went back. And got to save a day or two later. So I just think the game has kind of changed now where you are using sometimes your best reliever in high leverage situations. And not every team is doing it. You know, a lot of teams are still sticking with the, we're going to bring our culture in in the ninth inning. I know the Mets finally brought Edwin Diaz into a tie game on the road. It was something that they talked about before the game. Maybe they have to change that because it is kind of stupid. These extra inning games, oh, we're not going to bring our clothes in on the road until we have the lead. Well, you could lose the game by then, and he might never pitch. So I just think teams are, are getting smarter in how they use them. But I don't, I don't understand what Iglesias is pissed off about. They told him in the spring that they're going to use him in a non-traditional closes role and in the game's biggest moments. And he said he was happy about that because obviously it shows a lot of confidence in him. So now because he's not pitching well – he only wants to pitch the ninth inning. I don't understand his beef here. I mean, I guess that that's probably true. But you said something interesting. You said something that I, I touched on yesterday, that the game is changing. 
And, and I think fantasy leagues need to change. And I, I worry, especially, I mean, I, I tell you about that league that I'm in all the time. Our rules are not changing along with fan, fan, I mean, fantasy baseball rules are not changing along with the game. I think there should be more uh, injured list spots. I argued yesterday that why is Nick Senzel, why does he have to be a second baseman for 10 games and people wait when he's playing in the outfield for the Reds? I think there are things that we can do to update fantasy baseball to make it more current. Do you disagree with that? Um, well, so what? So Senzel plays one game in the outfield and he should be eligible? No, no, I didn't say one game, but I mean, why isn't it three? Why isn't it three? Why isn't it five? I mean, we know this it's guy was an outfielder. Five, it's usually five or ten for most. It's ten, and ten is ten can be over two weeks. Ten can be three weeks that you're waiting to use this guy. Why, why do we use archaic rules like that? Baseball's changing. Hector Neris pitched the sixth inning. Well, that would never have happened ten years ago. Well, I mean, I don't think they've officially kind of named him a closer either. I think he is based on the way they've used him, but the Phillies never really said who the closer was for the entire year. Now, if the Mets did that with Edmund Diaz, that'd be big news. Blake Trinan, Kenley Jansen, that would be really eye-opening if they did that in the sixth inning. Uh, but So a lot of teams are still sticking with the traditional closer, but... I mean, I don't know what you want to do as far as the position players because they're, you know, they said before the year they were planning on using Nick Senzel in the outfield. What if they never played him in the outfield? And they said, you know what? Scooter Jeanette went down. We're going to put him at second base. And then you gave him outfield eligibility. I would and just argue that 10 games could be three weeks, and that's way too long for people two, to if wait. If it's a guy who's playing every day, it's two. I understand that, days. but I still think that's too long. I do. That's just my opinion. I think it's too long. I think that how about leagues that don't even have injured list spots? I mean, guys go on the injured list all the time now. For That's that, crazy. The, the high stakes rules don't have injured lists. I know. I think they need to be changed. I do. I think. I just say. I, I think we need to update some of our rules, especially in fantasy baseball, because I argue that in fantasy football, the fantasy football world championship. You know, Scott sent out a survey. Always wants to update rules. Try to change things for the better. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's different across different leagues. I mean, I don't think you're ever going to get a universal way of rules you know every league is different you know it's 15 teams it's all obp i mean tout has unlimited injured list spots so what's your problem with there you're always no you're i don't always, have a problem with tout i don't problem with, look i don't like the, the league i'm in and tout but i have no I'm problem saying. with that rule you, you, you're gonna no no i have no problem with the here's rule. the thing you're gonna complain about every league that you don't like something we're never gonna get this perfect like anything in life you're no, never no, no. gonna I have, have no problem with the tout having multiple guys on the injured list i have no problem with that Oh, I don't like you, being in a head-to-head league. That's my argument about tout. I have no problem with the, with the rules. So you like the the fact that when you add a free agent, they have to be in your lineup for the Yeah, week. I actually do like that. I think that's really clever. Because now if you really want to go get a guy, you want to stash a minor leaguer, you have to get zero stats for the week. I think that makes that makes me think. So, yeah, I like that rule. We have the same rule in, in mixed labor. And actually, mixed labor—you can't even pick guys up like that who aren't on a right. Yeah, right. same you thing. Do in, that. Same thing in the NFBC. You can't pick any players up that have, weren't drafted and are not uh, in the majors. So, like, you had to wait this past week for Griffin Canning and Nate right. Lowe. Right. Which I—that I, I don't like as much. I like the fact that you could get a guy, but you can't. But you have to activate him. I think that solves the problem. But I, I could see the argument because in labor we can't draft a guy. Which and like same thing as the NFBC. That makes sense too. Right? You can't get guys who aren't up. But I think what happens is it takes away some of it because now Griffin Canning goes for $233 when you could have gotten him for 20 
Yeah, that's where it's tough because now people see him for a week. He makes a start. He looks decent. More pitchers go down, and obviously the price increases, and you have to make that judgment. Is it worth it? And a lot of times it's not. I mean, we've seen you know, a lot of the guys get paid up for it that really haven't produced yet, and doesn't mean they won't, but we have seen guys come up and disappoint so far that were going for a good amount of money. Right. No, I mean, look at Carter Keboom, right? I mean, what a waste that was with $238. I think somebody spent in uh, tout on him in one of my leagues. Yeah, I think in mine, he went for like 235 And obviously, he struggled defensively. He came up, hit those two home runs, but uh, striking out quite a bit. And obviously, if uh, Trey Turner could be back soon, yeah, that Keboom could go back to the minors. And that's people understood that. Uh, when you made that bid, you had to understand you know, what if this guy struggles, he's going to go right back down to the minor leagues. Obviously, if he hits, he'll find his way into the lineup. But you have to understand that some of these prospects are going to come up and fail. Not everyone is going to be Ronald Acuna, Juan Soto. We're even seeing Vlad Jr. struggle a little bit. So you have to understand that with Vlad, you don't have to worry about him. I don't think they would send him down. I don't think it'll get to that point. Uh, with a guy like Keboom, though, you do because there are other options, and the reason why he's up is because they have injuries. Couldn't we argue, and I don't mean this to be in a negative way, that most of these guys do fail? Most of these guys do fail when they come up, and they go back down, they come up, they go back down, and eventually they get it right. Yeah, I mean, it's not an easy game, and I think you know we get blinded because the guys that do succeed and put up big numbers, we remember that, and we tend to forget the guys that struggle. Even Mike Trout, when he first came up, was not very good. Alex Bregman, I think he started one for 33. Yeah, he was terrible. Remember but the that? Astros stuck with him, and, you know, obviously it worked out. They were smart. I, I do think you need to, again, it depends on the organization where you are, but you have to sometimes be patient. Like with Toronto, they can be patient with Vlad Jr. They're not going anywhere. They should let him get his at-bats. You decided to call him up, let him uh, get it done at the big league level. No, I agree with that. And I think I love what the Padres did. I mean, look how good Chris Paddock was yesterday, by the way. How outstanding is this kid? He is. And, you know, they are going to baby him. He's pitched every game on five days rest. They are going to a six-man rotation, at least temporarily this week. They're going to six-man. So a lot of people think, oh, Paddock pitched Monday. He has a two-star week. He does not, which is actually pretty good because they're in Colorado this weekend. So uh, I think he could. Still have success out there, but you wouldn't want to see him in Colorado. But uh, they're going to baby him. There's no question about it. I mean, they're not allowing him to throw many pitches. He easily could have finished that game last night, and they pulled him. Uh, and they've been very cautious with him. He, they, people have been fortunate in fantasy because he's been very efficient with his pitches. All right. So I want to talk to you about um, Blake Trinan. He's expected to avoid the injured list. He's got an elbow issue. What do you do with him? I mean, you can't cut him. Uh, what you hold? Do you try to trade him? I mean, what do you do? Do you pick up Lou Trevino? Fernando Rodney got lit up the other night. I mean, what did you do with Trinan? Because you probably spent a lot of money. You took him in round four this year. Yeah, you just have to hope that he's healthy. I mean, we've seen these scares before. I remember Felipe Vasquez last year. We all thought he was done, and he came out there and threw 100, and he was fine. Uh, we saw with DeGrom earlier this year. We all worried, thinking his season's over, and now he's been fine for two starts. So he did get the cortisone shot. He said his elbow felt a lot better. Uh, he clearly has not been the dominant pitcher he was last year, and I don't think anyone thought he was going to be as good as last year. But the thing to me that stands out is the walks are way up, and that was one of the issues he had in Washington. Uh, why he could never really put it together is he was always – 
walking too many guys. And last year we saw that walk rate at 6.7%. It's at 16.7% this year, and the whip is pretty high. So I would think that this elbow probably has been bothering him maybe most of the year, if not recently. I mean, the velocity is fine. But if you have him, you probably started him this week, and you just have to, to roll with him. I mean, it, it's hard to find a closer. I mean, someone spent 350 for Sean Kelly in a league oh, this week. And I had dropped him the week before. I dropped him for Diego Castillo. Because he said, all right, you know, Castillo, Castillo can get 10, 15 saves. Right. Yeah. So, and which at that point, LeClerc looked like he was pitching better. So I was like, ah, you know what? I'd rather have Castillo. Uh, I know Kelly has one save, but I still think LeClerc's getting that job back. He threw a scoreless seventh inning the other day. And I think, you know, they signed him to that contract. I think they're going to try and put him in some sixth, seventh inning, get the confidence back, and then put him back in that spot. But it's just difficult to get saves in a real competitive league. So I don't have Trinan this year. Loved him last year. He was my guy. He just I was not paying for a top two closer. I never do. I think if you have him though, you you have him out there, and you just hope that this a cortisone shot does help and he can get back on track. I'm not even sure Trevino's the closer. They used him the other day in the seventh eighth inning and brought Soria in for the ninth. So we would think Trevino is should be next in line. Uh, he's pitched way better than Soria, but they might look at it, oh, Soria has closer experience. We might give it to him. So I don't know if you saw, they're, they are, they're going to DFA Kendris Morales. So this begs the question, why did you take Morales just because Matt Olson was out? You knew Matt Olson was coming back. Why did you need Morales if you were the A's? Yeah, that's exactly why they did, because uh, Olson was out. And they figured, all right, we don't have to pay him that much and it'll be they probably expected Olsen to maybe miss a little bit longer I think he prog progressed a little bit quickly than they thought I think they were thinking more like two months so they said all right we'll, we'll get him for two months and then we'll see how he does if he hits we'll keep him if not we'll, we'll cut him loose so I think that's what they did and Olsen did not do great in rehab he did homer a couple days ago I did get him back in the two leagues I have him. I have him in Tout Wars and NFBC Auction, and I just put him in the lineup. I understand that it could be a rough week. The power could be slow to come, but uh, I was hurting with injuries in that league, and I decided to take the shot. I think there might have been other scenarios where if I had a good corner infielder or first base, I might have said, you know what, I'm going to give Olsen some time and see how he fares. But I wouldn't be surprised if the power comes back slowly. We've seen that before with the hammy bone surgery. You know, we've been getting questions. I, I don't know. I'm sure you've seen them on the, the uh, full-time fantasy message boards. Uh, should I take Olsen, Smoke, uh, Votto? Like, it's so hard for me to answer people who are in, like, an 8- or 10-team league because all these guys are good, and my answer is always, go try to make a trade. But it's almost impossible to make trades in those leagues. Yeah, there are leagues where there are some good options available, and it happens a lot in the 10-team leagues especially. Even in some of the 12s, too, there's some depth. So people are giving up early on some players. We're seeing Votto dropped. Olsen might have been dropped, and now he's out there. And, yeah, sometimes there are, they are tough decisions to be made because we all know Olsen's good, and he has legit power. But with this handmade bone, it could take a while for that power to come back. It might take a month. It might take two months. So that's the, the risk you run with him. And, you know, I loved him going into the year. I thought this guy has the potential to hit 35, 40 home runs. Love the A's lineup, but the handmade bone certainly puts that into question. So if you had a guess moving forward, how many home runs does Olsen get from now through the end of the season? I would say about 17 to 19. I would take that. I would take that, right? I mean, better than a lot of guys out there, right? 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think going into the year, though, if you drafted him, I think you were hoping for 30 to 35, and I think he might come up short. And then he doesn't run, so he doesn't help you there, and he's not a, a great average asset. So that's the, the one thing when you look at him is he really relied heavily on him for the power. Uh, he had 29 home runs last year in 162 games, and I think we all expected more because he had 24 and 59 in 2017. So uh, I thought he could have taken a nice big step this year, and uh, it's going to be in question because of this. All right. When we come back, we will, of course, talk more baseball, but we got to talk a little bit of NBA. It's got a really exciting playoff time, so we'll probably get to that. And, of course, in our final segment of the hour, we'll talk about the night in Major League DFS because there's a really good big slate and there's a lot of money to win. I promise we'll do this all when Full-Time Fantasy returns right after this. Made Sailors is the leading cleaning service in New York City and Boston. We service homes, offices, corporate apartments, and Airbnb turnarounds. Give us a call or a text at 212-299-5170 to book now. That's 212-299-5170. Use the promo code FNTSY for 15% off your first cleaning. For more information, go to MadeSailors.com. That's MadeSailors.com. What's your IRS problem? Do you owe back taxes? Is there a lien placed on your property? Have your bank accounts been frozen or seized? Have your wages been garnished? Are you being audited by the IRS? Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates? Well, solving your tax problems is as easy as calling Taxes 321. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. You need the best representation to give you peace of mind. You need experienced professionals that can cut through the red tape and stop the collection process. If you have a serious problem with the IRS, call the Taxes 321 network today. We'll get them off your back. 800 961 Make it rain. Now remember, the bottom three teams of this year all have an even chance. Even I think they all have 14%. Cleveland, Phoenix, and the Knicks. And it's hysterical. In a draft where I fully believe that Zion Williamson can be a generational talent, and you got a kid like John Morant, who I think can really help a team and be an all-star, watch the Knicks wind up at the number three overall pick. Settle for a guy like Cam <laughs> Reddish or yeah. R.J. Barrett or something who is a tier below. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. All right, we're back. We're full-time fantasy. Dr. Oda here with Adam Ronas talking all things sports. But, Ronas, I want to take a little break here talking baseball and talk a little NBA. These playoffs have been really, really good. I don't know if they were great in round one, much like the NCAA tournament, but this round has been sensational. Milwaukee loses the first game to the Celtics, and now they win the last three games, and they look pretty darn good. Yeah, and I said it at the time. I just think Milwaukee... Hosted through the first round against Detroit. They weren't challenged, and they needed to get smacked in the face, and they did in game one because Boston just handled them with ease. And ever since then, uh, they've really taken it to Boston. I was pretty disappointed in Boston last night. I, I thought they would show up and play well. 
and they just didn't. They just didn't look like a cohesive unit. They took a lot of ill-advised threes. I thought the Bucks played really good defense, but even when Boston had open shots, they were missing, and I think finally it looked like they had overcome the chemistry issues, but there's a real problem in that locker room. There was reports that they had a meeting last night after the game, and players are really not happy with Kyrie Irving, and look, this is on Kyrie Irving, okay? You wanted to get away from LeBron James. You wanted your own team. You wanted to be the guy. And now you're realizing what the pressure is like. And he even acknowledged it in the middle of the season, apologizing to LeBron James because now he's going through it with the younger players, seeing what it's like to deal with that situation. And he's handled this poorly. If you're going to be and want to be the guy, you got to step up in a game like last night. He shot 57% from the field in game one. He's been awful since. And then he comes out last night and says, oh, I should have taken more shots. Why? You kept missing. You were 7 of 22 from the field. So just, Kyrie, you want to be the guy? you got to be able to handle this pressure. You have to step up in a big spot. You, you know you have some young teammates. Yeah, Al Horford's been around. But Irving played really poorly last night, and they're getting nothing from their bench. 3 of 17. From the bench for Boston last night, they got seven points. Meanwhile, Milwaukee got excellent play from George Hill. Connaughton played very well. So I think you're seeing those chemistry issues start to come into play. Now, it's easy to say. We've seen teams with bad chemistry before win. But this has been an issue for the Celtics all year long. If you watch that team and you follow them, you just said, you know what? It doesn't feel right. But then you see game one, you're like, oh, okay, they're turning it on. Now, Milwaukee's a better team. There's no doubt about it. And Giannis is just a stud. I mean, anyone who watches the game knows that. But I think the casual fan who's just tuning in to watch the playoffs will see now how great this guy is. And that's what a superstar does. Last night, you take command of the game. You take control. And Giannis did that. He just breaks down that Celtic defense. He goes through them literally like he's a knife-cutting butter. And then he's there. I mean, the only play the Celtics have is like to stand in front of him and try to get the charge. That's how they get like two fouls a game on this guy. But they actually did a really good job against him in game one. He was not getting to the basket. And no, that's true. But now also, you know, the difference is the Bucks shooters are shooting the three-pointers. They're making those three-pointers, and it's a game changer. Yeah, they didn't yesterday, though. They were 8 of 37, but we did see, you know, big games from Middleton before. Uh, but, yeah, Giannis is the big difference maker here. And, yeah, I think this series is done. I don't see Boston coming back at all. I, I think they just have some issues. I think Kyrie is gone, and then they can just go about, you know, with the young players and deciding if they're going to trade uh, for Anthony Davis. So there's some bookmaker I read recently that has the Knicks as, like, the second 16 choice. 16 to 1. Yeah, no, because— it's not Basically, Vegas. They think they're going to get they're going to get yeah. Irving and Durant and Zion are all going to the Knicks, and that's why the Knicks are that high. That's yeah, crazy. Sixteen to one is absolutely nuts. Like th th this is where Vegas is telling you something. And look, everyone knows it. In fact, during the game last night, you could hear some fans chanting in the Houston game at Kevin Durant, New York Knicks, New York Knicks, when he was touching the ball and at the free throw line. So everyone believes that Kevin Durant's going to New York. Do you think Kyrie's players? going to New York? You think Kyrie and Durant want to play together? Uh, I don't know. I think with Kyrie, I could see him coming here only because he's from the area. He's from Jersey. His dad lives in New York City. And maybe he just didn't like Boston, you know, and just said, you know what? I kind of want to go home. Uh, does he want to play with Durant? I mean, maybe. Would you want to play with Durant? I'd want to play with Durant. But if you play yeah. with Durant, it's like playing with LeBron. You can't talk it. You can't. He's the Durant's the best. Honestly, for my money, Durant's best player in the NBA. 
right now, it's close. Uh, Giannis has got to be there. I mean, Durant's won the championships, but yeah, Durant's playing at, at the end of the game. Who do you right want? Now. I want at the end of any. Oh, to shoot! Game, yeah, well, Durant's a better uh, shooter. Yes, yeah, uh, I mean, I love Giannis. Don't get me wrong, but I want Durant at the end of a game. Uh, but if you're Kyrie, maybe you realize you know what? <laughs> maybe I should have another superstar. <laughs> I don't want to be the guy here. I, I don't know. Uh, it's going to be interesting, but yeah, Vegas is absolutely telling you that the Knicks are getting two stud players and likely Zion because there's no way with what they currently have that they're 16-1. But a lot of people like Fizdale, uh, and it seems like players are going to want to come there. So, And they have the money. And look, we've discussed it before. You come to New York and you win, oh, you will be regarded as a hero forever. I mean, and the, the crazy part is the Garden still sells out. They still get... Huge crowds every night. Can you imagine the demand for tickets, the prices, if they oh. do get oh. these superstar players in Zion? It's going to oh, be the, nuts. The scalpers just got rich. They just tripled their money. Seriously. Well, in Miami, it was the same thing. Nobody went to a Miami Heat game. All of a sudden, you get LeBron, Wade, and Bosh. It was the hottest ticket in town. People are driving over from my coast just to see the Heat games. Yeah, but the Knicks were still, even as bad as they've been, it's still sells out it's still huge crowds that's how the appetite is for basketball here in new york so these guys were watching a crap team all year long now you bring in a durant Kyrie, and zion i mean there's going to be electric here i will argue that if Kyrie doesn't come kemba walker will come yeah and kemba's also from the area he's from the bronx he went to rice high school in manhattan so kemba would love playing here obviously in the big big east tournament i mean he was tremendous oh, at the garden so he owned the garden dude in the big east tournament he owned it for four years i know so i know jordan really wants him there and they are going to try and keep him but if i was if you were kemba and you knew durant was going there and you get zion oh my why, god why wouldn't, go back, why wouldn't you want to go home i mean no, i would it's a better spot to win than there with the hornets but i do think the problem with kemba is that Kyrie is going to get the first crack at it and Kemba's going to get the second crack, and he's not going to feel loved. Uh, I mean, it depends how people handle that. I mean, he might not care. It was like, hey, pay me, and you're bringing me in, and I'm with Durant, I'm home, fine. So, you know, everyone kind of handles Do you really think Durant is coming? It sounds like it, man. All indications are that he is. I mean, again, if, if, if they're 16-1, to 1, Vegas is not going to do that without some intel. So that's true. Somebody must have told somebody, but I don't know. Durant just does not seem like a New York kind of guy. He doesn't with the way he's handled the media here in this year, especially, but maybe he's just not happy. You could tell there's something not right. Oh, man. he's miserable. He is yeah. miserable there. Yeah. So maybe, they may lose that series, by the way. Quick segue. I don't like how the Warriors are looking right now. They do not look great. And they could, impl I mean, I don't know if they're going to implode, but it's possible. And Durant has not looked happy for months. No, he definitely has been happy. Obviously, he's played great in the playoffs. Uh, I don't know. I think I think people maybe are just not giving Houston enough credit. I mean, this is a good team. I expected this to be a seven-game series. I don't know. I, I didn't think it was over when it was 2-0. I had money on Houston in game three. Last night, I didn't touch the line. I had the over. I had over 220.5, Doc. Did you watch the game? A, a little bit of it. Did you see the end? No. <laughs> so, Harden missed a free throw with about 15 seconds left. Chris Paul, who's a great free throw shooter, missed, missed a free too. throw yeah. with two seconds left. Durant missed an open three and Curry in the final when they had the ball from like 11 seconds to two seconds. They got two threes. 
They team shot about two for 19 combined from three-point range in the fourth quarter. I mean, it should have been easy over, and it went on under by a half. But, <laughs> yeah, it was, you know, look, I've been fortunate and been on the other side, but that was brutal. I'm like, okay, they fouled Chris Paul with two seconds left. I'm like, all right, he's going to hit two free throws. He misses one, and I lose by a half. But, no, I just think the Rockets are a good team. Um, and they were home, and, you know, they shot 17 of 50 from three-point range. That's their game. They're going to take a ton of threes. Uh, but I I could see Houston winning this series, but you know obviously uh, Golden State ha- still has to lose at home, uh, and you know Curry rebounded. Uh, he was shooting what thirty five percent in the first three games. He was twelve of twenty five last night. Had thirty. Uh, they need more from Clay Thompson. That's the key. You know Clay Thompson five of fifteen last night. He's got to be better. I think Green's played well here in the playoffs. Durant obviously is doing his thing and. It's another team right now that's really not getting much uh, on the bench. I mean, these guys are just uh, not producing. But you could kind of say the same for the Rockets. I mean, they are getting a little bit from Austin Rivers, but all these starters are playing big minutes. I mean, the Rockets had three guys play at least 40 minutes last night, and uh, the Warriors had three guys play 40 minutes. Well, speaking of big minutes, let's turn to to the Nuggets and the Trailblazers. I mean... Jokic is playing more minutes than anybody I've ever seen. I think this guy, another guy who people may not have seen as much during the year, just what a special skill set he has. I mean, he can shoot, he can rebound, he can pass. He passes like Bill Walton to me. That's that kind of level. I mean, this is a really good player. Yeah, and again, this is the casual fan who might not have tuned in, might not watch a lot of Denver. I watched a lot of Denver. I played a lot of Jokic in DFS this year. I wanted him in my drafts this year, but... You know, obviously, he was someone that you had to get pretty early in the middle round or the first round. But, yeah, this guy's a a stud. I mean, he does a little bit of everything. And I think finally now he's getting the recognition that he deserves on a national level. And that four-overtime game over the weekend was insane. Uh, That was a tremendous game. And I love how Denver bounced back on Sunday because I think a lot of people felt they were done. And even towards the end of that game, Portland was making a charge. Portland would hit a shot, and Denver rebounded. It wasn't only Jokic. Barton hit a big shot, Harris, so and Jamal Murray. That's oh. a guy that has really elevated Dude, his, his game in the postseason. His free throw shooting is so good at the end of the game. I, my only problem with the Nuggets is, do you watch their, their, their fourth quarter ba- basketball? They are taking some horrific shots. They really are. They don't have that go-to guy that they need. I mean, Jokic is not that shooter. He's a, he's a passer. But, I mean, Murray's been good, but I still think they're missing one guy. I think it's been Murray, though. Like, the key games that they – I think it was, it was a game two. Uh, looked like they were sinking, and he was 8 of 8 in the fourth quarter. So, Murray has been that go-to guy for them in the fourth quarter. And I think Jokic, too, if you can get it inside to him. But Jokic – you know, he's a triple-double guy waiting to happen, 11 assists to the last game. I think the problem with the Nuggets this year is Gary Harris and Will Barton are two players I really like. They haven't really been healthy the entire year. They're really just coming around. And you know, Harris was someone I loved in fantasy this year, and I didn't get him. But he was banged up, and he came back, and he wasn't 100%. It looks like he's getting better. And Barton, too. You know, Barton is a guy that was has always, uh, especially last year, was a big guy for them off the bench, providing that spark. And... Uh, he did in the last game. So this is a, a really good series. Goes back to Denver tonight. And, uh, you know, I expect this to go seven games too. All right. And then, of course, the Sixers and the Raptors. I mean, what can you say about Kawhi Leonard? How Don't you just want to see Giannis play Kawhi and then Kawhi play Durant? I mean, maybe maybe that he won't cover Giannis for most of this series. But in the fourth quarter, he probably will. This Kawhi is just a super talent. 
Yeah, and I guess because he's kind of quiet, he doesn't have this flashy personality, he doesn't have social media, he's not, like, no one really talks about him because he just doesn't do anything to draw attention to him. But we all knew he's a great player. We've seen him in the postseason before with the Spurs and how, how great he's played, and he's just carried this Raptors team. Uh, he's just shooting the ball at a ridiculous clip. I think it's 60 61% in this series, uh, 39 points in the last game. He's had at least 33 points in each of these games and just needs a little bit more help from his teammates. We know Kawhi is going to have the big game, and it's a matter of can he get help from his teammates. And, you know, Joel Embiid, man, I mean, are you sick? I mean, come on, man. Like, I I forgot who it was in the broadcast said was making a statement about how good Embiid is, and Jeff Van Gunn is like, well, pump the brakes, man. You know, like, this guy is good, but, you know, can can we see health? Can we let him play a whole season first? And he's right. It's like, yeah, Embiid's got a great skill set, but what, two games out of the four now? He's been ill? It's all these game-time decisions? It's like, come on, come out and play, man, because if you're going to be on the court, you know, no excuses. If, if you're that sick, don't play. But Embiid has just kind of been a no-show in a couple of these games. No, I mean, look, this if there's ever time to be healthy – and your team needs you, this is it. This is not a time to be, I'm not sure I can make it. And look, I think a lot of players lose a lot of respect from their teammates when they don't show up in the playoffs, right? When It's one thing if you're out with an ACL. It's one thing when they're out with an Achilles. It's just, I mean, I don't know. I think Embiid is losing, losing that locker room a little bit there. I think my biggest problem is Kawhi's not getting the Raptors as involved on offense and the Sixers are just a mess as a team in general to me. So I just think that Kawhi is the best player in the four, and that's why the Raptors should win, in my opinion. Well, if I was Kawhi, I'd be shooting the ball too. I mean, he's not missing right now, and these other guys are just not performing. Uh, Kyle Lowry has really struggled, uh, and he has a history of not playing well in the postseason, and uh, Kawhi's had to carry them. So if he's going to continue to shoot 60% from the floor, I want him taking most of the shots. All right, so let's preview this going forward. Milwaukee against the Celtics. Is it the Bucks in five, or does it last a little longer? Yeah, I think it's over. Milwaukee goes home and finishes them off. And then Kyrie gets a big uh, bonus and comes to the city. Yeah, he's gone. It definitely feels that way. Uh, just It gets another team where you don't sense that he's happy either. I mean, you barely see him smile. It's a lot of somber press conferences, and there's definitely dissension on that team. Are, let's talk about for a second. The Celtics lose Kyrie. Where do they go? Do they get Anthony Davis? Possible. I mean, look, they do have a lot of young talent there. And they get draft picks coming up, right? Because don't they get, uh, was it Philadelphia's pick or Sacramento's pick? They get a couple of picks coming up here, too. Yeah, so they're still in good shape. Uh, and maybe Kyrie was a negative influence in the locker room. Who knows? But, yeah, they can go out. They can get an Anthony Davis and uh, maybe get another free agent because there's still some good a good core there if they can get uh, a superstar player and a great coach i think so i mean i don't like what i see here but i think milwaukee's a better team all right toronto philadelphia would you say raptors in six or seven uh, i think the raptors get it done in seven yeah i do too i think i think the sixers can win one more game all right nuggets trailblazers i don't know about this one dude i think i'm gonna say the nuggets in seven yeah, I think the Nuggets in seven two. I wouldn't be surprised if the Blazers won, uh, but I th I like what the Nugget how they've rebounded the four overtime game. I like how they rebounded on Sunday. They tend to play well at home. 
They got battle-tested in the first round against the Spurs and survived. So, uh, And Cantor's not 100%. I know he's kind of battled through it, but uh, I'm going to take Denver. I think they have a little bit more depth. Rockets-Warriors. Who wins this one? Uh, I'm still going to go Golden State in seven, but uh, I kind of hope the Rockets pull it off. Uh, you know, I don't hate the Do Warriors. Do you like James Harden? Because I don't like James Harden personally. Why? I want to tell you something. You want to know a, a true story? My friend is the uh, PA announcer for the uh, Houston Rockets. And uh, I said to him, I said, my son loves James Harden any way for Christmas that you can get him, you know, sign anything. And he goes, ask me for anybody on the team except Harden because he won't do it. So that's why you don't like him? Yeah, it's a freaking kid. Come on. <sighs> if it was your kid, Ronus, you wouldn't like it either. No. Oh, I mean, what are you, sign a ball, sign a pen, sign a shirt, sign a, sign a piece of paper, anything. Come on. So every time you get asked, you have I to do I don't something? like him. Yes, you should. That's your role. You don't even know him personally. You're a role model. Be a no, role model. No, We're back not. right after this. If you've heard of WeatherTech floor liners, you probably know that for your vehicle's floor, nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil, founder of WeatherTech. Besides our floor liners, we design, engineer, and manufacture a wide range of automotive accessories right here in America. And just like our floor liners, everything is done to the highest standards possible. We understand what kind of investment owning a vehicle can be, so we do everything possible to help you protect it. We don't take shortcuts, and we never make concessions when it comes to quality. For everything from cargo liners to cleaning and detailing supplies to mud flaps and car covers, the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call 1-800-CARMATS, WeatherTech.com, proudly made in America. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally... I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Keith Irizarry is calling the shots. Yang has a big matchup with Frank. Danfold? It's Frank. Roto Frank, right? That's that's what he goes with. Hi. Uh, and Yang, if you win this week, you are going to be hosting the Best Friends Forever show right here on the Fantasy Sports Network. Is that right? If I win, I become a guest. Off the gate of the first game of the day, I was already winning five set. Frank Stanford, he's going down. Weekdays, 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Oh, did you like the song? Uh, not really. Oh, so imagine when I was younger, dude. What was it? Right round? Right round? Is that the name of it? What's the name of the song? It's like right, right, right. I can't even remember. You don't want me singing it either. Yeah, you spin me round, right? You spin me right, round, right. All right, it's minicamp time for those taking the 2019 NFL draft as they get introduced their new playbooks and start studying up for the 2019-20 NFL season. And for fantasy football enthusiasts and NFL bettors, you guys need to start doing your homework. 
If you're serious about fantasy football and wagering on NFL futures or contests, it's never too early to start prepping for the 2019 season. And Roto Experts has you covered with their NFL 365 fantasy football package, including the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing NFL Dynasty season-long betting, best ball, and draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play, while providing you with all the data and insight you need to be successful at the betting window. Save 10% at rotoexperts.com with promo code FNTSY. That's 10% off with promo code FNTSY. The NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package found only at rotoexperts.com. All right, Adam, let's get to tonight's slate in uh, DFS. I have another ticket, Ronis. This is my last ticket from the, that great night I had a, a month ago. Okay, uh, for FanDuel. I have a free entry. Yeah, I have a free entry into some you know, big thing on FanDuel where I could be your rich friend. And if I am, I'll call you and I might not be here tomorrow. Okay. Okay. Just throwing that out here. All right. Texas at Pittsburgh. Adrian Sampson against Stephen Brault. Minus 140, eight and a half runs. But Sampson pitched last week against the same Pirates team and dominated them. I think people might look at that, and I'm thinking of stacking Pirates, Ronas. Yeah, they wouldn't be one of my favorite stacks tonight, but I could definitely see them in play. Um, you know, they are at PNC Park. Uh, Josh Bell's been on fire. Marte's back. Polanco's healthy. And I just don't think Samson's that good. So, yeah, I could see going with them. I don't think they'll be that popular either. That's what I'm thinking. A little contrarian stack there. All right, Boston against Baltimore. Hector Velasquez against David Hess. Boston's minus 200 even with Velasquez. Over and under 10. If you're not stacking your Red Sox tonight, Ronis, the problem is you should people stacked them last night, but John Means is good. David Hess is not. Yeah, and I think you like seeing that if you're on the Red Sox because sometimes you just have to go back to what you were doing and say, okay, look, that one night it didn't work out. I thought the process was right. They didn't hit. Go back to them again. Uh, they obviously have a high road uh, total on the slate. They're in a good ballpark. I think it should be warm there tonight or not cold. So... 76 uh, degrees, perfect yeah. Perfect for baseball. Hess is uh, homer prone. So, yeah, I definitely would have uh, some Red Sox in my lineup tonight. So I don't know if I ever told you this. I went to a, a, a Red Sox Oriole game at Camden Yards. Let me just tell you, the Oriole fans felt like the visiting team. Oh, yeah, I went to an Orioles-Yankees game at Camden Yards, and it was oh. mostly Yankees fans. They were selling Yankee jerseys in the street. Yeah. It was disgusting. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, are you kidding crazy. me? No, it was crazy. I had this, uh, what was the name of it? It was a stat company, some USA Stats or some stat service, and the guy had tickets at Camden Yards. He goes, you want to go to a game? I said, yeah, my wife's father's from Boston. Give me the Boston tickets. We had like fifth row, and it was packed with Red Sox fans. Unreal. All right, Minnesota against Toronto. Jose Berrios against Aron Sanchez. Minnesota minus 160, over and under 9. Now, here was my thought process last night. I like Martin Perez because I thought the Twins were going to win the game. Tonight, I feel differently. I don't like Berrios as much on the road. I like Sanchez a little bit at home. But I still think this is a game I don't touch because I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. Yeah, I hope Sanchez does well because I have him in season long, but I'm concerned with him, man. He still walks way too many guys. You just can't get away with the walks that he's given out. He's tough to hit. He's got good movement on his pitches, but he just walks too way too many. So that prevents you from going deep into games, and you have to exert more pitches on a nightly basis. So 
I think Barrios, uh, he's not as good on the road. I mean, it's not a terrible matchup. Toronto doesn't hit much, but uh, I think he's in play. But uh, there are a couple of options I like a little bit better, especially when you consider price. All right. The Angels are playing Detroit. Griffin Canning against Daniel Norris. Uh, the Angels are favored at minus 135, and it's a nine total. Now, look, I think a lot of people are going to be on Canning tonight. I think a very contrarian play is to stack Tigers. I know that Canning, I can tell you that last week he was three innings, five strikeouts, and then it all fell out in the fourth inning. But maybe he holds on tonight for five or six innings. What do you think? Uh, I think that I'm not very high on him. Uh, I think. He doesn't have huge upside. Uh, I don't think he's going to go deep into the games. And you're really baking on the strikeouts here. So you need to get five innings, eight Ks out of him. I think he can do that. But I think a lot of people are going to go to him based on the matchup against Detroit. And I'm not as high on him as other people. I, I, it's going to be a four or five inning game for him. He just hasn't gone deep into games, uh, even at the minor league level. So am I insane for thinking of maybe a dual contrarian stack with the Tigers there? It'll definitely be contrarian. I just I don't think people... I mean, but here's the thing. like, Who are you playing on Detroit? I know, I know. The problem is, even if Detroit's stack is good, it's four runs. I'm not yeah. getting an eight-run total. That's my problem. And I, I don't hate... I would stack like Candelario, Goodrum, guys like that, but they're not putting up 10 runs tonight. Look, there's contrarian stacks that make sense, and there are others where there's a reason they're contrarian. You can so, get behind the pirate stack, right, with Marte yes. and Bell, right, but you can't yes. get behind this one. Yeah, it's just not good, man. I mean, yeah, I like Castellanos. Miggy's not showing much power. Goodrum's kind of cooled off. It's just there's there's no one there to go with. All right, Arizona against Tampa Bay. You're going to see a couple of uh, – you're seeing uh, Jalen Beeks is going to come in in uh, the second inning here. The Rays stack, if you had it last night, you're my rich friend right now. I mean, I just, here's my thing. Tampa Bay is a minus 190. It's eight and a half runs. I very rarely go back to a team two nights in a row after they just scored 12 runs, Adam. Uh, why? Because everyone else is going to be on that team? Right, right. All of a sudden, the, the prices go up, the, the interest goes up, and I'm not getting them at any discount. I don't know. For some reason, I feel like. Tampa is never a real popular stack. They might have were they last night? I didn't play. They probably were, right? Reason not big, but reasonable. You know, because they just people like have... Lau and they like Choi and they and like Fam. Fam. Yeah. Yeah. Now I may do a stack in this game where I'm like going Yandy, Robertson, Low, something like that. I may do that stack and not the Brandon Lau Fam one. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that, that could work. Uh and Beeks is he's pitched well, although Arizona's been good against the left-handed pitching. I know. I like Beak, so, but I, I may avoid this one. All right. Washington against Milwaukee. Uh, it's eight-run total here. Steven Strasburg, Adrian Hauser is going to open, and then Freddie Peralta is going to come in today. I don't hate Peralta, but I don't like going against Strasburg, Ronas. Uh, Peralta is a tournament play, but, man, he's just got so much risk attached to him. I mean, the Which I like, though, because he was so bad. He was bad last outing, which means he may be good this time. And I guess, and you could also say Washington's lineup is pretty thin right now with all the yeah. injuries they have, and it's not great. Uh, they didn't do much last night. So, uh, and and also the thing is, the Nationals right now are pretty right-handed heavy because uh, of the injuries they have. So, is Freddie yeah. good against righties? Yeah, he's better against righties. But yeah. I like Freddie tonight. I think Freddie's my sneaky starter tonight. 
you're either getting 10 strikeouts over six innings or he's gone in the third. Well, I mean, I'm either going to be your rich friend or I'm going to be your, the poor guy who's on with you tomorrow. He, he is the epitome of the tournament play because he could either you'll shut down your laptop real quick with him, or yeah, you'll be like, "Oh, I got him at four percent, and he's got six strikeouts through three. Trust me, I had Peralta. I drafted him. I thought I had something. I was excited after that second game of the year where he struck out eleven, and uh, pretty much uh, I dropped him in all formats. I just I can't deal with it. I mean, season long is a little bit different. Uh, obviously, I mean, yeah, I, look, I could see him going in a tournament, especially if I used a couple lineups. Because he could go seven innings. He, he could. Can. They, could, they could open Hauser and then Freddie Peralta go seven innings and they throw Hader, boom, game over. It's possible. It's possible, but what's the percentage on that with the way he's pitched this year? 1.38%. Okay, there you go. Okay. You answered it. <laughs> it's a little bit higher, but you're... 2.14%. Just we need context because people might be listening and be like, oh, they like Frank Peralta. No, we're not saying play him in cash if you do cash games. And he's not the best pitch on the slate. Doc is just coming up from a perspective of where he's trying to get a low-owned pitcher that could go off because he's trying to separate himself from a big field. So you just have to understand that. Somebody might just hear, oh, they like Freddie Peralta. No, we're no, not we saying don't, We don't like Freddie Peralta. There's major <laughs> risk here. Major. Uh, Aaron, Aaron Nola against Dakota Hudson, who threw very well last time. Philadelphia, a, a slight favorite, nine runs. I don't like Dakota Hudson tonight. Nola hasn't been really good, but I'm not going to go and stack Cardinals. I think I'm going to stay away at him. Yeah, I agree. One thing to keep an eye on with Dakota Hudson, I saw this today. So he, his last two starts, he's moved to the third base side of the rubber. It's allowed his sinker to get in on the hands of right-handers, and he hasn't allowed a homer in his last two starts. So just something to keep an eye on. He's would you not start a him? Would you start him as a uh, as my second starter on DraftKings? I would not. Okay. All right, Caleb Smith against John Lesta, over under six and a half, very low scoring, 45 degrees, 30% chance of rain. Uh, Chicago, a, a heavy favor, but I do like Caleb Smith. I think he's a pretty good pitcher. He's a stud, man. He's more than pretty good. I mean, everything in his underlying numbers are really good. He's won three of their 10 games this year. He's legit. I know the Cubs are very hot, but as you mentioned with the weather, the wind probably is blowing in. So you could see less offense. So, look, on a site where you're dependent on the wind more, it's a little troublesome to go with Caleb Smith. But I think he could handle the Cubs here. So he's a DK start, not a FanDuel start? Yes. Okay. Kansas City, Danny Duffin against Colin McHugh. Houston, minus 255.9 is the over-under. Man, I love McHugh tonight, but I hate Guys who are 255 because idiots who don't know anything know to start McHugh, and that always makes me nervous, Ronis. Yeah, I mean, it's tough not to like McHugh in this spot. Uh, I definitely do. Uh, I'll probably be using him tonight. I think on DK's, when I checked, 8.2, I believe. Is that uh, a soccer play, though? Don't you sometimes no. feel like it's a soccer play? No, I think because the algorithm is probably going off his last couple starts, right? Okay. Because he wasn't good in the last couple starts. And I know Kansas City doesn't strike out a ton, but... McHugh's a good pitcher. He just had one real bad outing. I think it was in Texas where we've seen pitchers struggle. So, uh, no, I'm fine with them. I think, you know, people are going to probably mostly pay up, I think, for Syndergaard and Strasburg tonight anyway. Or okay. they, I just think there's a lot of ways to go tonight. So I don't know if his ownership – you are right, though. If people do look at the Vegas lines, and maybe some people just do, they'll go with him. But, you know, I think there's some good options on this slate tonight uh, as far as pitching. All right, this is an interesting game here. San Francisco, Colorado, 52 degrees, 
40% chance of rain. Colorado, a slight favorite at minus 125, 10 and a half run total. Senzatella against Mad Bum. I think I'm going to start some Giants here, and I think I may get them lower owned on them because people may be worried about the bad weather and the coldness there. If that's the case, sure. Obviously, obviously, we saw the Giants get a little bit of a boost playing in Cincinnati. I mean, that home park is really bad. So it, uh, if you can get some Giants, uh, they're probably fully priced though on DK, I would think, right? Right. They're much cheaper on Fandle. Yeah, like Brandon Belt's a guy I would definitely look at. Uh, Sensatella is not good against left-handed hitters. And, and Joe Panic at the Disco, very good BVP against Sensatella. And his price, I'm sure, is better on Fandle, too. Yeah, it's like, probably didn't adjust it. It's like 3200 or something low like that. All right, Cincinnati against Oakland. Tyler Molly against Mike Tears for Fears. Oakland minus 130, eight and a half run total. I'm not touching fires against Cincinnati, who's starting to hit a little bit. I do like Tyler Molly, but I don't want to play him with that lineup. I think I'm staying away in this game. Me too. I would use Molly in season long if, you know, he has a two-star week, and I think the second starts against San Fran, so I had him in the write-up this week. But as far as tonight, yeah, I'm not using either pitcher. All right, the Mets. Noah Syndergaard, who was outstanding in his last game against Cal Quantrill. Uh, this is the Mets are favorite, minus 150, seven and a half run total. I love Thor. I would play Thor, but I don't want to pay for Thor. So I'm just going to stay away from this game because I don't want any of the hitters here. Yeah, the Mets obviously cannot hit right now, and they're really struggling. But Padres are a team that does kind of strike out quite a bit. Thor's coming off his best game of the year, complete game shutout, double-digit strikeouts, and also homered. So he'll definitely be popular tonight. And, uh, you know, they also the Padres really don't have a lot of left-handed bats either. So I think Thor will be a good play tonight, but you're right, he will be popular. All right, this last one's very interesting to me. Atlanta against the Dodgers. Uh, Dodgers favored at minus 150 over and under seven and a half. Max Fried, who's been very good uh, against Hunjin Ryu, but Atlanta hits lefties very well, but Ryu is a good pitcher. So this is a case of, you know, the irresistible force against a movable object. What do you do here, Ronas? Uh, I like Ryu. Uh, I've always been a fan, and it's all about health for him. So I know they got some pretty good right-handed bats. I mean, Acuna returned after missing a game with a back. Uh, they got Donaldson there, uh, Albies. So they do have some good bats, but I just think Rio's been good. So you like Max Fried at all against the Do- Dodgers? Are much different against a lefty than a righty. They are uh, on this slate. I would say no. I think there's pitchers I like better, but so just, who's your big your big pitcher tonight is McHugh. Yeah, I like Caleb Mc- Smith. I like McHugh, like Smith, uh, like Beeks. I like, uh, I mean, obviously, I like Thor. I don't know if, you, if you're going to pay up. Yeah, I like Thor, too. I don't know. I'm, I need, you need a cheap guy, though. You can't win without a cheap pitcher. Who's your cheap pitcher of the night? Beeks? Uh, you, I think a cheap combo is Beeks-McHugh. Yeah, I thought I had, that was my initial combo on DK, Beeks-McHugh. And on FanDuel, I was just going to go with just McHugh. But I also thought about the Freddie Peralta thing here just to be a little contrarian and maybe a team or two. Yeah, that is definitely contrarian. Uh, he's got it. He's going to be low-owned. He's got to be like... what 2% owned by idiots like me? 2 to 3% owned. Well, you'll, we'll find out tonight. You'll either say idiot or told you. He had the upside. He had the 10Ks and in six innings I was looking for. I mean, look, he has the ability 
to get double-digit strikeouts. We've seen it before. We haven't seen it much this year. And the other thing is the Nationals lineup is just not the same right now. No Rendon, no Soto, no Turner. Even Gomes left yesterday getting hit by a pitch. Uh, Michael Taylor's banged up. He did come in and pinch it yesterday. He was 0 for 2. He's dealing with a wrist injury. So they are really banged up right now. So the key for Peralta, too, is just getting through that first inning. Uh, and maybe that's partly why they're using an opener. We'll see if it helps. I don't know why. I, like I said, Matt's was the same thing. There's certain pitchers that just really struggle to get through the first inning. Peralta's been the same way. If you look at his games this year, he just really tends to struggle in that first inning. So I'm interested to see if the opener does anything for him. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, again, he's a tournament play if you have multiple lineups. Otherwise, if you're using one, there's no way I could use him. All right, and who's your favorite stack of the night? I mean, I think the Red Sox for sure. Is there any other you like? Uh, Red Sox have to be up there. Astros against Duffy. They're crushing right now. Uh, I think the Twins, and you mentioned the Giants, too, especially on fans where they're cheaper. Yeah, it should be interesting. All right, who do you got in hour number two, Adam? Uh, I got Frank Stanfield from FNTSY. I'm going to talk hoops with him. Well, that's an interesting one. What is, uh, who, who does Frank root for? Uh, he is a Knicks fan. I think it's good. Maybe a good time to be a Knicks fan, Ronas. We haven't said that in a long time. <laughs> we may never say that if Durant doesn't come with Kyrie. All right, guys, we're back right after this. <laughs> 